Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Anastasia Dotson, who serves as the Deputy Director for the California Department of Healthcare Services Office of Medicare Innovation and Integration. In today's episode, Anastasia talks and simplifies what's known as the healthcare for the dual eligible population, or some people may call the Medi-Medi population, but really what that means is Californians here who have both Medicare and Medi-Cal. As I mentioned, Anastasia really helps simplify how folks who have both Medicare and Medi-Cal get their healthcare and how there's some initiatives in place where come 2023, folks won't have to go to one place for their Medi-Cal and another place for the Medicare, but that it will all be under one roof and they will have a care navigator or case manager to help navigate both their Medicare and Medi-Cal, depending on who the health plan is. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us at pophealthpodcast.com, checking out our YouTube channel, or listening to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. Hi, Anastasia. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Hi there. Really great to have you. I know it's very hot in Sacramento uh, area where you're recording today. So hopefully uh, your AC is working. It's hot where I am as well. I'm recording uh, near the Pasadena area. Anastasia, we like to kick off our shows by getting to know the guest a little bit outside of the workplace. So can you share with us something about yourself, maybe outside of the healthcare world, fun fact, hobby, something like that? Thank you so much, Gavin. Yes. So I enjoy hiking, backpacking and gardening like many folks in California. I also love reading, especially with my 10-year-old granddaughter. Oh, nice. So when you're reading with your granddaughter, are you using an actual book or a device like an iPad? Yes, I, I bring a book when I go to visit her and then we'll sometimes go to a park and I'll walk around reading a, an actual book. So it's great. Nice. Is it difficult to keep her attention uh, at that age? She loves listening to stories. Wow, that is awesome. That's great. Well, maybe in our episode today, um, you might be able to share uh, a story, maybe some of the work you're doing and how it's impacting members. So, Anastasia, I know you, um, you're you up in Sacramento, you've been there for about 20 years, but can you give us a little bit of background about yourself, um, where you grew up, and ultimately, um, how you ended up um, in healthcare? Yes, for sure. I grew up in the Bay Area, and I enjoyed spending time outdoors visiting uh, folks around Northern California, but I did want to try moving to a different part of the country. So I went to uh, college in Philadelphia. And then actually I lived in New York for a year afterwards. My bachelor's degree is in economics. And when I first graduated, I worked as a paralegal at a Wall Street law firm. And I thought I would go to law school after that. But um, my very wise grandmother, who was an artist, cautioned me that if I went to law school, I might stop believing in things that are not necessarily true. So it took me a few minutes to really process that, but then I realized that was important advice for me. And some of my favorite volunteer activities have been in nursing homes. So, uh, yeah, so I finished my uh, term at the Wall Street law firm and moved back to California. And then I went to work at California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform 
which was very meaningful work for me. And then went to graduate school, the Goldman School of Public Policy. And then for the last 20 years, I've worked in state policy and budget on health and human services. Um, in the last couple of years, particularly on aging and healthcare policy, which is really my favorite area to work on. Okay, that is that is a great background. You mentioned the nursing home volunteering um, earlier in life. What was the inspiration there? Like, what was the catalyst um, to get yeah. you to volunteer there? Yeah, I, I really needed more human connection. I, the, it was very interesting working at the law firm and uh, eye-opening for me, but then I realized I, I needed to be more directly connected to um, work that would help people. And, there, you know, there's a, even a reciprocity there of um, engaging with people and, and learning from what older adults have, have to say and have to share and their experiences. That's awesome. So, yeah, I've, I've been in many nursing homes and I know um, having volunteers there um, always often brights up, especially as a young lady, um, you know, having young folks in the nursing homes uh, tends to bring a, a smiles to everybody's faces. So that's great um, and that you have that background. So you've been in the Sacramento area about 20 years and today you are the deputy director. This is a, a long one, so I'm going to uh, try to get this right. Today, you are the Deputy Director of uh, California Department of Healthcare Services, Office of Medicare Innovation and Integration. Did I get that right? Yes, yes. And and in this new office, which was just established last year, uh, it was established as part of the governor's master plan for aging. And our goal with this office is to improve health outcomes, quality, affordability, and equity for all Medicare beneficiaries in California. So we have many partnerships with um, foundations, with um, organizations throughout the state that are working on Medicare issues, as well as of course, Medicare Advantage plans. And um, we're um, in the process of identifying uh, policies and strategies, um, both for those who are Medicare only, as well as people who are dually eligible for Medicare and Medi-Cal, and looking at ways, again, to improve health outcomes, um, quality, affordability, and equity. Awesome. So you must uh, have worked with Kim McCoy-Wade. Absolutely. She's a wonderful, excellent leader, and so great to have her in the governor's office. Awesome. I don't know her too well, but she was uh, uh, on a past episode that we did on the master plan for aging. And so she and her team really helped me become familiar with it. I'm sure um, you probably know quite a bit about it as well. So that's a really neat connection. Again, folks, if you're interested in learning more about that, uh, and I'm sure things have changed since we recorded the episode a couple of years back, but feel free to check out that episode. So one thing you mentioned, uh, Anastasia, and I know for folks who aren't necessarily healthcare experts or really in a leadership role in healthcare in California is the term dually eligible. Um, can you help and maybe in the best you can in layman's terms, what does that mean? Yeah, so um, dual eligibles or medi-medi folks, those are sort of similar terms to referring to the same group of folks. They have both Medicare and Medi-Cal. Medicare is health coverage available to um, most people age 65 and older, as well as younger people with long-term disabilities. Benefits through Medicare include hospital, doctor visits, prescription drugs, um, and um, most uh, about half of, of Medicare beneficiaries in California are enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan, 
That's how they get their Medicare benefits through that Medicare Advantage plan. Medi-Cal is different. Medi-Cal is California's Medicaid program for low-income individuals. Medicare beneficiaries can also get Medi-Cal. And some beneficiaries, some individuals may not know that, but there are really important benefits for low-income individuals to get Medi-Cal in addition to Medicare because Medi-Cal will pay the, the Medicare Part B premiums and also covers Medicare co-payments. So it's a really important um, additional set of benefits financially for individuals who are low income to be able to afford to use their Medicare benefits. Um, Medi-Cal also provides some benefits that are not covered by Medicare, such as dental and vision, transportation to medical appointments. Um, so, and there's also such a thing as a Medicare savings program. So some people, they may have a concern for various reasons about being enrolled in Medi-Cal, but the Medicare savings program is also available and they have similar income limits as Medi-Cal and um, that is a way to get the Part B premiums covered. So dual eligibles, there are about 1.6 million individuals in California with both Medicare and Medi-Cal coverage out of a total of about 6.6 million total Medicare beneficiaries in the state. Dual eligible beneficiaries, unfortunately, have, tend to have higher rates of chronic conditions, higher rates of uh, higher utilization and social drivers of health and lower quality measure scores. They also have to navigate between two health programs, Medicare and Medi-Cal, and multiple delivery systems. So as far as a story goes, you can imagine someone who has um, may have a cognitive impairment, Alzheimer's or related dementia, they're low income, they can qualify for both Medicare and Medi-Cal, but it can be awfully hard to navigate. Some of the words sound similar and um, understanding that the different paperwork that comes with both programs can be challenging. And oftentimes there's a, a family or friend um, caregiver that will help with that. But even for caregivers, it can be complex to navigate what benefits are available through Medicare, Medicare Advantage versus original Medicare and Medi-Cal. So integrated programs for dual eligibles, they are designed to address the specialized needs of dual eligibles and to combine both of their Medicare and Medi-Cal benefits through one organization to make it easier to navigate and to, to figure out what benefits are covered by which program. Yeah, really yeah. well said. Now, is that um, idea that everything's gonna be managed by one organization, how long has that been around to make it a little bit easier? Yeah, so there have been financial alignment demonstrations um, authorized by the federal government in partnership with states uh, for a number of years. They're not in all states, but um, it's a high priority of the Federal Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. That's CMS, the, the federal agency that works um, on Medicare and Medi-Cal. But again, since Medi Medicare is a federal program, primarily administered at the federal level through you know, local health plans and providers, and Medi-Cal is a state-federal partnership, in order to provide integrated care, there, it needs to be through a federal and state partnership. So California has been one of several states leading the way here. And so part of what I'm really excited to talk to you about is um, some changes and con continuity for the integrated program that we already have. 
Yeah, and I think the timing is really good. I saw an announcement uh, earlier today. Uh, please jump in and, and, and share more about what some of those things that are happening. Okay, great. So um, in right now we have a program called CalMediConnect, which is the sort of g generic term, but the program has, um, each health plan has their own name. And um, it's, again, that integrated care, one health plan that provides um, both Medicare and Medi-Cal benefits, a single case manager to help an individual and their you know, family members navigate across both sets of benefits and a network that is integrated so that they don't have to kind of look across two different health plans or different network books to find out which provider um, would be accepting both types of coverage. So that CalMediConnect program, which has been in existence here in California since 2014, is actually going to be transitioning, but the people who are already enrolled in CalMediConnect, no action is needed. When we've talked to beneficiaries about basically having a, a new program name and um, a new type of contract with the state, one of the first things they say is, why do you need to change this? I like this just fine. And so yeah. it's, it's really a, a, a change on the back end between the type of contract that we at the state have with um, health plans, with health plans that offer Medicare and Medi-Cal. Um, so for your audience, though, you may, they may be providers who are contracted with health plans. Um, again, we don't expect anything to change as far as the health plans networks. It's just the name CalMediConnect, I think, is probably the biggest impact. Um, that's going to change to Medicare, Medi-Cal plans, MMPs, or we can also call them Medi-Medi plans. Yeah. And um, we're also trans we're transitioning away from a um, sort of demonstration authority that was uh, time limited. And it's really a, a more ongoing type of authority approved by the federal government. And then right now, CalMediConnect and soon Medicare, Medi-Cal plans are available in seven large counties, um, primarily in Southern California, but also Santa Clara and San Mateo counties. But in future years, we're going to be expanding this integrated model to other counties. And again, that's part of the you know, authority and the contract change that we're doing right now so that um, it's not just limited to seven counties. And we can, this type of integrated care can be um, available throughout other counties. Not right away, it will be year by year that we'll expand out, but the goal is by 2026 to have these types of integrated plans, uh, many, many plans available throughout the state. One other point I really want to emphasize in all of this is that what we have learned in talking to beneficiaries and we have monthly stakeholder meetings is that choice is extremely important for Medicare beneficiaries. And this is true, frankly, for Medicare only and dually eligible Medicare beneficiaries. So there is no requirement for anyone that has Medicare to enroll in any of these plans. Already, there are many types of Medicare Advantage choices available to Medicare only and dual eligible beneficiaries. That won't change. And in fact, many still about half of Medicare beneficiaries in California are in original Medicare or fee-for-service Medicare. That option is absolutely available. So um, there's no uh, required enrollment for dual eligible beneficiaries. 
At the same time, we know that CalMedi Connect beneficiaries, they're happy with their plans. And so we will do an automatic crosswalk at the end of the year. In fact, the federal government is primarily doing that crosswalk to um, the affiliated Medicare, Medi-Cal plan. So if um, Health Plan X has been offering a CalMedi Connect plan, they'll also be offering a, an MMP, a MediMedi plan, and there'll be an automatic process for that transition. And that will affect about 115,000 um, dual eligible beneficiaries throughout the state. Okay. Wow. You know your stuff. <laughs> it is complex, but you have really helped simplify it for us. So um, tell us how CalAIM, which we've been talking about a lot on the show over the past few episodes and audience members, um, if you really want to get in some of the details of CalAIM, uh, check out other episodes as well. But yeah, how's CalAIM um, working in all of this? Right. There's there's several pieces. And even in addition to CalAIM, there's other changes that have recently occurred for dual eligibles and that will be coming up too. So, um, for example, the Medi-Cal asset limit increase that occurred um, effective July 1, 2022. And so there's both an income and an asset limit for Medi-Cal, but the asset limit increased to 130,000 for one person and then 65,000 for additional people, an additional person in the household. Again, okay. there's still an income limit, but that impacts dual eligibles quite a bit. Could you remind us how assets are determined? Like as, does a house count as an asset, for example? Yes, I'll give you sort of a high level and then, um, you know, I'm not a super expert on this, but right. So someone's um, primary residence is exempt um, and there are other rules about um, vehicles, et cetera, and certain types of accounts uh, that are exempt from um, the asset limit. But as of July 1st, 2022, the asset limit went way up to 130000 for one person. So that's a really uh, significant policy change. And again, it's usually for dual eligibles or others who are have a certain type of Medi-Cal eligibility that has an asset limit. Got it. And then do you happen to know the income as well, the income limit? Right. So for right for 2022, an individual that is um, not married, their monthly income limit is approximately $1,500 per month. And okay. then for a couple, it's approximately $2,100 per month. But again, there are certain... Uh, deductions, utility allowances, et cetera. So um, talking to your county eligibility worker is the best way to confirm Medi-Cal eligibility, particularly for people who are dually eligible because there are some special eligibility rules for duals. Awesome. Thank you. Didn't mean to try to put you on the spot there, but I was curious. Um, cool. So we were talking about how CalAIM fits in and you were mentioning there's a, a bunch of things. So Yes, yes. Um, so when we think about um, dually eligible beneficiaries um, and the services that they access in Medi-Cal, oftentimes it is long-term services and supports. So Medicare provides, um, you know, physician, hospital coverage, et cetera. But then if people need help at home in order to stay safely at home or they need to go to a skilled nursing facility for longer than the, the Medicare allowed period, then they will need to use their Medi-Cal benefits for those long-term services and supports, adult day health centers, other types of community-based um, long-term services and supports are covered by Medi-Cal. So as part of CalAIM, we are um, expanding the role of Medi-Cal managed care plans for 
for all of our beneficiaries, but particularly for dually eligible beneficiaries and, and any others who use long-term services and supports. Um, so skilled nursing facility care in some parts of the state is um, actually accessed through fee-for-service Medi-Cal. So as of January 1st, 2023, skilled nursing facility care will be carved in, it'll be accessed through Medi-Cal managed care plans. And so we've been having many work groups with health plans and skilled nursing facilities to make sure that transition goes smoothly. Right now, more than 75% of uh, beneficiaries in the state, if they need a nursing home, nursing home care, they access it already through their Medi-Cal managed care plan. But this transition is for the remaining portion of the state to um, have long-term care delivered through Medi-Cal managed care plans. That's um, good. And yes. I say that quick question for you, um, an audience. So I met, well, this is actually our first time formally meeting, but I heard Anastasia speak at, um, I forget which uh, DHCS webinar or stakeholder conference it was. Um, could you share really quickly, Anastasia? Uh, I didn't think of this ahead of the show, but you mentioned, you know, some of the stakeholder groups are planning. I forget exactly what you said, but there's going to be folks who are listening right now or watching right now who want to keep up to what's happening there in 2023 and beyond. How do folks keep up to date or participate or attend some of these talking sessions? Yes. Well, and everyone is welcome. So we have monthly uh, stakeholder meetings open to all the um, it's called the MLTSS manage long-term services and supports and duals integration um, work group and that meets monthly and the dates are posted on our DHCS webpage. Um, there are also weekly updates that the department sends out on a variety of topics and oftentimes for anything related to duals and long-term care that's included. And then we do have other, we have our um, state quarterly stakeholder advisory meetings, we have managed care advisory group meetings, so there's a lot and we have a calendar of events on the DHCS website. Um, so we try to keep everybody involved because really we, we do not want to make policy in a vacuum that will not work for anybody. Um, yeah. Least, yeah. yeah, no, well said. And I, f I apologize because I you mentioned so many good resources and there's a lot out there and I'd forgotten because I, I attend a few different ones. So I appreciate you um, uh, mentioning that science. And folks, if you don't know the DHCS website, you can just Google, you know, California Department of Healthcare Services, uh, LTSS, for example. And you'll likely come across what Anastasia is referencing as an example. Uh, feel free to email me as well, and I can try to point you in the right direction. I'm sorry for the tangents, Anastasia. I probably took you off uh, uh, some momentum. We were, I forgot how to come back to where you were talking about to be up front. Um, yeah, we were talking about CalAIM. Yeah. And so, when, yeah. And so we've talked about the um, transition CalMediConnect to MMPs. We talked about um, long term care carve in. And again, we want to do that extremely carefully, make sure there's readiness reviews. Um, so I don't want to, I can't overstate how important that transition is. Another transition that is extremely important to us is um, in, again, most of the state, about 70% of dual eligibles. They get their Medi-Cal benefits right now through a Medi-Cal managed care plan, but there, is, there are um, a number of dual eligibles in certain counties that are um, in Medi-Cal fee-for-service. And because of this transition to manage long-term services and supports and CalAIM, we see that there are benefits that they are missing out on 
by being in Medi-Cal fee-for-service because we're really orienting our Medi-Cal managed care plans to be a one-stop shop, to provide all types of um, coordination, to get people to the right benefits, even if they're duly eligible. Um, so we will be transitioning um, the remaining dual eligibles not already in um, Medi-Cal managed care into a Medi-Cal plan that does not have any impact on their Medicare delivery system. So I know some people are worried that that will impact um, Medicare in some way, but it, it will not because um, if, you know, whatever providers someone might already be working with on the Medicare side, um, th th there'll be no, no, no requirements, no change, no change required on the Medicare side. And um, we've been talking about this in our stakeholder work group and that question often comes up, but we want to, um, you know, if we want to actually continue to do outreach to Medicare providers so they know about this change. And so they know that, you know, there's a sort of secondary billing that they may already be doing to DHCS for the Medi-Cal portion of a bill and they can send it instead to the Medi-Cal managed care plan. There should be no payment difference there. It's, it's just um, that the Medi-Cal plan can do more wraparound type services, um, help with transportation to medical appointments, have um, community supports, enhanced care management if they need it, or just regular care coordination for duals. So that change um, is going to happen um, January, 2023, along with there's you know several changes all happening to different populations, January, 2023. So we're working hard to make sure that the notices that go out for all of these initiatives are extremely clear and working with our partners at HICAP. Your audience may know about HICAP, they help yep. people. Yes, so um, working with our HICAP partners, our health plan partners. Um, there's another piece to this, it's a little bit in the weeds, but I think it's important to know that um, when someone is already enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan, a dual eligible, sometimes that same Medicare Advantage plan organization also offers a Medi-Cal plan. And so we have a, a Medi-Cal matching policy. So if someone voluntarily chooses to be in a Medicare Advantage plan, we will enroll them in the matching or the corresponding Medi-Cal plan automatically. Yeah. And again, sometimes that People may be surprised by that, but that's another way we're trying to promote integrated care so that it's the same parent organization that's managing both Medicare and Medi-Cal. But really, it's the individual, the patient that, you know, needs to be at the center and um, they're making the choice. But if they choose to be in a Medicare Advantage plan, then we will have that Medi-Cal plan match along with it. Very good. Anastasia. I know there's a lot more, and we talked uh, before that you're you're ready to share so much. I think I think we've hit on a lot today. Um, you mentioned all the uh, groups that folks can uh, follow: the advisory groups, the LTSS groups, uh, quarterly meetings, monthly meetings. Again, folks, that's on uh, those that those publicly available uh, conversations you can attend um, and potentially participate in in different circumstances. So check out uh, DHCS for that. Um, Anastasia, uh, I'm going to wrap up here. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you feel is absolutely key uh, in today's conversation? Just that I know your providers, uh, your audience may hear about some other Medicare Advantage transitions. Those are DSNP lookalike plans. Again, don't want to get too weedy. That's a federal initiative. But again, 
we are all about choice on the Medicare side. So, um, and we're working hand in hand with those Medicare Advantage plans and with CMS to have a smooth transition. So thank you to everyone, all of your listeners for helping us help beneficiaries navigate when, you know, various notices are going to come out in the fall and certainly reach out if needed for any clarifications. We're, we're going to be ready. We are ready and we have our HICAP partners ready to help with any questions. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Anastasia. So I'm going to say this right. Hopefully, Anastasia, who is the Deputy Director for California Department of Healthcare Services Office of Medicare Innovation and Integration, uh, has been our guest. Anastasia, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks so much, Kevin. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.